1: Access to entry 736.HE1305, certificate number 32943. Lottery winners. And as you can see, the machine has been loaded with balls numbered from 1 to 49. Let's now load up the drum. Tonight, the lotto jackpot is
2: estimated at $2 million. Fanny, if you push the button, please. Wait for the first ball to drop, and there it is. The first one down is a 24. And then we have an 8. The third ball in the red column, it's a 48. The fourth one down is a 37. Again tonight, the estimated jackpot prize pool is
1: $2 million. We have a 6 for you. The final one down, the sixth number is a 45. And as per every draw, the final one down is the bonus number. And tonight, the bonus is an 11.
0: I don't know if I've ever asked you this, John. Are you now or have you ever been a player of a lottery, state or multi-state lottery-like game?
1: I I never did until a couple of years ago. The first time I saw the Powerball or whatever, Go above three hundred million dollars. So let me get this straight. You had a number in mind. I'm not going to play
0: this thing for two hundred ninety nine million. <laughs> That'd be ridiculous. It's not worth my time. But hey, I could use three hundred million dollars. Three hundred million dollars. I was I was driving by on the way here today. There's a Washington State Lottery has billboards up where they show what the Mega Millions and the Powerball jackpots right. are, and it's it's those calculator like numbers that they can change. I don't know if it's remotely or if a guy has to come with a little squeegee and move the bars around. It's probably remote. I think
1: it's remote, yeah.
0: And I was thinking the same thing. Like, they keep us up to date. Like, they know there are people who are like, hmm, Powerball's getting close to 90 million. Hmm, that's <laughs> kind of my line.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yours was 300. 300 million. It just, it shocked me. When I saw the number, you know, all that lottery stuff and gambling stuff, I I have a filter on my eyeballs. I just don't, I don't read it. I don't pick it up. But three hundred million I, I passed one of those billboards and I as I was driving along I was like, three hundred million dollars. Like that's more than Mick Jagger is worth. <laughs> right? I mean that's your cut on <laughs> there are super duper famous people who have contributed enormously to the world. Who aren't worth three hundred million dollars, and you could beat them, and I could beat them. I like could, right now, Mick Jagger thinks he's better than you, but <laughs> not for long. We could be at the same hotel in Saint Tropez, and I could, you know, walk up to the desk while he's standing there and be like, uh, "Can I get an upgrade?" You know, I, I could just, I could buy him out, right? And he's doing that thing with his hands. He's like, "Excuse me, S- excuse me."
0: You. I was here first.
1: Anyway, so I did. I went and bought a lottery ticket, and then uh, then it became a game. Anytime the lottery went over three hundred million, I would go buy a ticket. And how many times have you won 300 million dollars? So far zero times. But it got in my head. My dad played those kinds of thing. he bought lottery tickets. And I and I re, I remember becoming aware that he had a he had a fantasy tangent in his imagination that he was going to win and then he was going to do all these things. Would he talk about it? Would no. he be like,
0: what we? What would we do guys? It wasn't a fun no, sitting in the it, car kind of a.
1: It was, <clears throat> it was, my dad was a, was an activist. He was a, uh, his, he lived his whole life not pursuing money. He was a lawyer, but he, you know, he did a lot of, Um. he worked for the government for a lot of the time. Right. And I think it was only late in life that he saw a lot of his college friends and his you know, and my uncles who had pursued money and they were in their eighties and living in Palm Springs. And my dad was living in his car with three cats. Not really, but close. He was living closer to that than Palm Springs. (laughs) He was living in Tacoma, which is, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Tacoma is America's car full of cats. (laughs) And I think he, I think it finally, you know, when you're, when you are somebody with a lot of, um, who works on behalf of other people, it's, it's its own reward, right? You, you, you contrast yourself against people who are making money and who seem miserable. Sure.
0: Your, your identity is, you know, guy who did the right thing. Yeah.
1: But when you're 82 and your friends are rich and you're living on a government pension, I think you do have a little bit of a, a lot of us, myself included, I think, Imagine that there's some karmic yeah. payoff. It'll turn around. Yeah. Maybe at 83. At the end, somebody walks up to you and hands you a, uh, like a bag of gold and that, says, that, thank that, you for your service. That does happen.
0: But it's like the St. Peter or right. the Angel Gabriel or something. Right. It doesn't happen in
1: this life. In this life, the only way it happens is if is this Ed McMahon comes and knocks on your door. He's our, he's our Angel Gabriel. And so he started to buy lottery tickets. I think just imagining that, oh, maybe maybe this is... Maybe this is how it works. maybe if God wants me to to um sit by the pool in my in my uh, dotage then um, I should buy lottery tickets well, it didn't it didn't work out that
0: way. that's kind of the central question of this entry in a lot of ways is did did he think did he really think he would win? was it a fun fantasy or did he re- and obviously there's a lot of gray area there and you can say that it's a fun fantasy even if some part of your head is thinking this is gonna be the
1: one the scratcher is the one I mean w- once you realize that somebody wins, why not me? Uh, why not me? And then you think of how transformative that money would be having bought my first lottery ticket every time I drive past one of those signs now if i'm if my mind isn't occupied, i'll see the number and i'll go
2: what would I do with
1: 300? And I just drift off. You know? your, your filter is used to have a
0: filter where you didn't see this stuff. Yeah. Cause it was, and I kind of have that too. And I think it's maybe a little bit classist. It's like, that's the other America that does that here in my temple of Protestant virtue. We pretend that cigarettes and uh, scratchers don't exist.
1: Well, and we know having read many times that, uh, that lotteries are, they, they, they act as a kind of regressive tax right. on uh, the lower middle class because state. it's very easy for states to put them up and use the winnings to fund the schools or however it is. You know, states have to work around restrictions on how they raise money. Um, but, of course, the overwhelming majority of people that buy lottery tickets are not the— not the billionaires. <laughs> Mick Jagger's not buying lottery tickets, although he would
0: have to if your dad, if you pulled ahead of him, right? Mick Jagger would start just buying scratchers. The thing is, Mick
1: Jagger is currently not aware that I exist. <laughs> oh, 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 you don't know that. All that I care about is that. Oh, that's true. He could he could have stumbled up, up, upon me or us at some point.
0: What if he was just looking at MySpace and he uh, at some point ten years ago and he saw one of your songs?
1: Do you want to do you want to hear a funny story? Yes. Always, I heard I got a I got an email from the daughter of Ivan Stang, head priest of uh, the Church of the Subgenius.
0: As a result of uh, adding the Church of the Subgenius to the Omnibus,
1: yes, and um, she indicated in her letter that uh, he was a fan. Of, uh, of of my uh, of my other podcast, Roderick on the <gasps> line. He's a listener, and as a result of that, had discovered the Christmas album that I made with Jonathan Colton. Became a fan of the Christmas album, and actually came to see me perform at some point. He's been to one of you had him my in concerts your, in the audience, and you didn't ask. He never did. Anyone out there <laughs>
0: found the Church of the Subgenius? <laughs> yes.
1: And so now I'm in. Now I'm in touch with his his niece, and she's invited us both to, to come to come down to the compound they're building in Texas. They're building a compound? Well, I mean, there's like some family land, and...
0: They're ready for the end of the world, too. Yeah. If you're a church in Texas, even like a fake ironic one, uh-huh. you gotta have a compound.
1: <laughs> anyway, so it is possible that Mick Jagger is listening, or his, his niece, maybe. <laughs> <Or> his niece. <laughs> even if he's not aware... I, I thought it was his niece, but it's actually
0: his third wife, I think. Uh, even if he's not aware of us, he's, he's aware in general of other less successful people who might win the lottery and get ahead of him. You know, you have to wonder about that. (laughs) Maybe he's not. I mean, so I want to talk about how U.S. states embraced the lottery as a funding mechanism. But to start that history, we of course have to go back to sixth century BC Athens. Of course. That's where that's where I like to begin. <laughs> Set the way back
1: machine to...
0: You know, we're speaking to people in, you know, 10,000 AD. They need perspective. So to understand what a lottery is, a kind of a, a, a random funding mechanism whereby everyone pays in and a small select group of people win a portion of the earnings and the rest go to something else, Possibly something crooked. Right. Uh, we need to start in ancient Athens. The Athenians had a lottery, but they did not use it to uh, buy people Jets right. and Lambos.
1: What did the Athenians use their lottery to fund?
0: Uh, they used it to choose their, elect- their elected officials. Oh, like the short story, The Lottery. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. <laughs> except most people are not elected, except, spoilers, to get pelted with rocks. Uh, I hope you went to ninth grade English, or I just ruined that for you. I
1: think I think most futurelings have uh, have read the lottery or are familiar with it. it even, no matter what era we're talking even to, ten thousand years. You've from all
0: now. read To Kill a Mockingbird <laughs> and the lottery. Um, no, they uh, they thought the purest form of democracy would not be people chosen by other people, it would just be randos, oh. randocracy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that feels, well, wait, but the candidates weren't randomly chosen. It had to be a lottery of approved I think. Candidates. I think
0: people put themselves up, but then there was this mechanism. There was a, uh, and maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was just if you were 18 and a free Athenian, you were in the, in the pool. And there would be a little, uh, a, a long kind of stone slab with slots in it.
1: I'm picturing the pool right now. And I'm... they
0: would, it's not a real pool. You're <laughs> oh, not a Palm Springs. Oh, and then they would drop the, they would drop um, these little white and black tiles. And they would, depending on what slot they fell into, you were either elected or not. Hmm. So it's Plinkoocracy. <laughs> Ancient Rome had lotteries as well, but they were, um, they were more like, it's the opposite of ours. They were exclusively for the rich. Oh. If you were invited to one of these banquets where everybody's eating Peacock tongues stuffed into larger peacock tongues, or whatever. Right. Um, a
1: pe- peacock duckin,
0: w- d- tongue duckin. There would essentially be <laughs> like a a Daddy Warbucks raffle where
1: everybody would get a ticket, and one person would get to take the serving girls home.
0: Yeah, or the serving silver, or something. Right. You know, people would you chip in a little, and somebody got a nice prize, and it would be something
1: very fancy. You've seen those, right? Where people rather than try and sell their house, they just uh, they have a lottery to sell their house, so they sell lottery tickets for five dollars each, and the winner like wins the house. And s- some people people have are legitimately
0: doing this to. What do you do? You do it in a very competitive market or a very sucky market? Or I'm not. I, I I'm not sure, and I think people have probably tried it in both
1: both places. It seems like but, it
0: would work in maybe some place where real estate is not hot. And people will be like, "Sure, I'll put in a
1: a dollar to get a free house." Yeah, yeah.
0: Because have you heard about that? You know, there's places on Sicily. Sicily kind of invented this thing where for one euro you get a house, but you have to commit to not selling it for a certain amount of time and fixing it up to a certain. Baltimore had that inspection standard.
1: You could buy a you could buy a a row house or a townhouse in downtown Baltimore for, I think the the price of uh, the price of tearing the plywood off the front door. But you had to commit to restoring
0: it. If you're tired of driving into town for crack,
1: and you, oh, you want to be able to, let's not besmirch the good reputation of Baltimore, one of America's premier cities. Uh,
0: yeah, no, it's, uh, but, it's it's definitely not our. It's not our. Um, what car full of cats?
1: <laughs> no, not, not anymore. Car. Now, Baltimore in in 1990, you know, I think it's. it's it was a different. It was a different time. Already right,
0: thinking, people in our era love Baltimore rowhouses, even before the president besmirched them because, well, because of the wire.
1: And the thing is, futureling the futurelings will probably think of Baltimore as the as the leading city in the world, right one of the One of the great. Yes, only the wire will survive the cataclysm, <laughs> and, and so they
0: will rebuild Baltimore first. Hopefully, not to uh, the way it was before. But
1: you know, this was true in Alaska too. Uh, if you homesteaded land there, you could just go stake off uh, 40 acres and call it yours, but you were required then to improve the land and to, and to live there. You couldn't just go stake off 40 acres and, and fly back to Minneapolis. I don't yeah. know why you would do that. <sighs> Homesteading in hard. case. This oh, is, I see. Yeah. It, it's for people who try it and are like, wait, no. Yeah. Right. What was I thinking? They get up there and they try and, they try and overwinter and, and the, the 40 acres they staked off, uh, returns to the state of alaska suddenly your job repairing copy
0: machines <laughs> in the lower 48 doesn't look so That's bad right i think the first real lottery kind of like what we think of as a lottery was invented in han dynasty china it was the case where a government needed to fund projects and they came up with this scheme whereby you could s- it was essentially kino you would choose a certain pattern of numbers or characters it was called bai piao, a white pigeon ticket and uh, if your pattern of numbers or characters came up, you were good. And, you know, a third of the proceeds went to provincial military projects or, in some accounts, the Great Wall of China was partially built with lottery funds. No, really? Yeah, they should have one of those little smiley logos on the side. It's like when you watch an <laughs> Irish movie and it says, paid for by the Irish lottery or whatever. Uh, white and ha- and white ha- pigeon ticket. White, pi- white pigeon ticket. White pigeon ticket. I don't think there were any actual pigeons. It's kind of the... Uh, sure, It's like,
1: it's a kanji thing no way the
0: metaphorical asian frame of mind right something about it was had the essence of a pigeon Hmm. and the same thing happened in renaissance italy where um you know the rialto bridge in venice was built by from lottery funds it started out there as i think people placing side bets on elections um like a derivatives market (laughs) 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 and the government was like wait we should have this action why are we letting this dope get rich on Voting for the new Doge or whatever it is, right? Maybe the Doge is not elected. I don't know. Don't don't listen to me about Doges. I'm gonna I'm gonna say the Doge is elected. You think the Doge is not a hereditary Doge? The Doge that can be elected is not a hereditary Doge. I think the Doge is a civil office. Right. That seems right. I don't know. I'm dozing off. (laughs) But the but after the oh I didn't even see the bell. It was behind my laptop screen. That one pleased surprise bell. After the Rialto Bridge was, uh, you know, after big municipal projects started to happen like this, but this is the first time that religion gets angry. The Pope starts to think that God would not be on board with this kind of gaming.
1: Oh, right. And so what is it about it that's intrinsically amoral? That's
0: difficult to say. Like, I grew up in a, uh, with a, in a Mormon uh, tradition where there was kind of a folk, a folk theology against face cards, Whoa, really? Yes. So, uh, And to this day, I think you'll see a lot of, in kind of the the more sheltered parts of the Mountain West, you'll see LDS families that still will happily play Uno, but would never play Pinochle. Because that has kings and queens and jacks.
1: Can you take the royal family off and ju- and and make them you know dogs, cats, and birds, and replace
0: them with with Osmonds and other Mormon
1: royalty, <laughs> and play and play a poker? Then is well, it?
0: I think because these people are all playing with rook and skippo cards, which are essentially isomorphic to a to a, re- a regular deck, right? But with you know eleven, twelve, and thirteen or whatever instead of.
1: But it's not jack, the gambling; it's the iconography, or it's the.
0: I think it's it's both historical associations of gambling with low people oh, with with yes. the kind of with the kind of drinking and whoring and other sins that happen around. I'm picturing a riverboat but you know you sure. you picture whatever gambling site was, you want. I was picturing a riverboat too. What if we're picturing the same riverboat? <laughs> oh my goodness.
1: Mark Twain. <laughs>
0: it's some err riverboat. Uh or it could be. I think there is also some tradition of um that there's something there's Satanic or fortune telling or occult imagery encoded in the cards. Right, right, you know, right. Like
1: the, 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 the one-eyed Jack and the, the which is suicide funny, king. Which is
0: funny because those are the cards that look least like a tarot deck. Right, like a tarot deck has numbered has numbered suits. Like you'd think the number cards would be just as sinful. Well,
1: what about dice gambling? Probably even worse. Yeah, I mean that's a it's it's thought of as an even lower sport. But there's no there's no satanic. Although it's numerological, right? I mean there's it's six. There's if you have three dice. What would you say?
0: Ah! You could get six, six, six triple box cars. Uh Yeah, I don't know. So I think, but I, I assume originally the idea is the not incorrect idea that it's a vice because it's addictive. That you know, uh, a, a right thinking person is instead giving their money to the church
1: and not not because <laughs> the because the instrument of chance um, itself has a has a a moral or immoral component? It's a
0: difficult case for uh, the Catholic Church to make because there's biblical examples of, of uh, God using lottery or, you know, God's servants using lotteries. After Judas hangs himself, in the book of Acts, you know, the disciples are a man down. Right. They need a new 12th guy. So what do they do? They have a lottery. They, they like, cast lots. They essentially throw dice to choose the new guy. But we know
1: God does not play at dice.
0: <laughs> what if he does? What if in this case, God is like... Uh-oh, it's gonna come up Anthony and that guy's-I know that guy's that guy masturbates. I'm gonna make sure it's Matthias. <laughs> what?
1: what if God's been playing at dice this whole time? What if Einstein knew it and lied? It's because- a cover-up.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs>
1: Einstein's profiting? Yeah. Einstein's
0: out back with the guys, with the boys, like out back in front of the garage, uh, throwing bones. No, wait, bones are dominoes. Bones are dominoes. Uh, so then what's the what do you call it when you throw when you play dice?
1: Uh you uh Oh, wait. No, you roll the bones. Do you roll the bones? So that is, that's a, first of all, not the best Rush album, but also (laughs) I think it means rolling dice. Uh, No, the dominoes are called uh, hen's teeth. Yes, of course. You slap down the hen's teeth. The old
0: hen's teeth with the boys. That's right. With the fellas. Uh, After, uh, so to continue the history, after um, the Renaissance, you know, Renaissance ideals spread throughout Europe, bringing with them the lottery. Queen Elizabeth I brings the lottery to cash-strapped England for the first time. And in fact, lotteries are used. These are not always state affairs. Like, private outfits will start lotteries. The Virginia company was having a hard time funding Jamestown, so they hold a lottery. Uh, Savvy Londoners do not want to buy in, so the company sends kids out into the countryside to hold instant. You know, they'll go to a marketplace or a place where people have gathered and just do an instant lottery. Who's in? We'll do a drawing right here. So essentially, it's... You don't have to worry about the Virginia company being corrupt or folding. Right, it's scratchers. Like that's the first
1: scratch-off ticket. Um, and they somebody's some, going to win right there. They had a Cupid dollar, or something, some some small prize that that was worth more than the ticket. Cash payouts, I think. Okay, oh, it's, cash it's payouts. not a
0: carnival game. Like oh. these guys have well, silver, whatever the currency of the
1: realm is. So, what is the math? Uh, is there a is there a universal lottery math where, um where the percentage that's kept by the lottery owner lottery runner um, is significant enough to justify it while whilst also having a prize big enough to entice the largest number of possible players.
0: There's a lot of, there's a lot of science and study, you know, on this and, and people theorizing about it anciently. I mean, Voltaire, I think uh, learned to game the French lottery. He realized there were, you could buy tickets with, these cheap bonds, and he he figured out a way to buy the bonds cheap enough that the expected value of the ticket was greater than uh, greater than one. Like you you would the average ticket buyer would make money on the purchase. Huh. So he's like uh, the guy who loads himself up with the pudding cups because he can use the coupon to win the trip to Hawaii cheaper than the pudding right. cost or whatever. Right. <laughs> uh, so Voltaire like makes a fortune doing this, and in the in the states, um, sorry, in the colonies. Before they were United States, Um, Benjamin Franklin wrote extensively on lottery science um, because Philadelphia needed defense. It needed cannons and arms and ammunition. And so Benjamin Franklin comes up with a series of lotteries, and he he invents his own kind of lottery. He writes, a lottery in the common form is subject to many inconveniences. If the price of each ticket be high, many who would have been purchasers are discouraged and excluded. That's what you were saying. Yes. If low, the number of tickets must be great. And that occasions the drawing to take up more time, which increases the expense and is an injury to many who neglect other business to attend it. Rumpf, harumph. Imagine all the nouns capitalized here. Yeah. It's, it's very funny. <laughs> If the capital all, all of the, the lottery S's are Fs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if the capital of the lottery is large, 'tis an inconveniency that so much money as is necessary to fill it should be damned up and restrained from being current in trade. He's thinking about macroeconomic considerations.
1: Right. He's to- also thinking about what the different tiers to put on your Patreon. This is exactly right. He invents Patreon tiers, essentially,
0: because you know he works out a scheme whereby you can Spend a lot to make yourself eligible for the bigger prize or a little to make yourself eligible for the smaller prizes. So everybody's, everybody feels like there's something for them. Right. But also I think the drawings are somehow linked because the idea that you would have to wait for a bunch of names to be drawn for every prize uh, is what apparently was keeping a lot of people from playing the lotto. Well,
1: it's so expensive.
0: Right. Think of all the inconveniency of, yeah. of you're leaving your leather tanning business or your, your cod salting
1: business or whatever. To go stand in the streets of Philadelphia and listen and to listen them read off 200 names.
0: And it's often a child, by the way, a blindfolded child. In the days before Beauty Queens, it was like a, a, a child with a big spinning wheel was thought to be the, the most trustworthy thing.
1: Well, I hate to have an anecdote about this, but I'm afraid I do. Yeah. In, in, uh, in junior high, oh, I'm sorry. No, wait, 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 wait. It was an elementary school. My school sold raffle tickets, yeah. which is, you know, similar kind of thing to fund the PTA or the band yeah. or something.
0: And there was a giant, but by the way, our kids now have an opt out whereby instead of reselling the raffle tickets, you can just say, look, I'd rather write you a check for 50 bucks. Does your school have that? No, but my mom it's fantastic. always, asked, <laughs> my
1: mom used to yell about it in the, in the seventies. They would have these bake sales and they would expect her to make a pie. And she's just like, can I just give you the $20 that you'd sell the pie for please? I don't, please, it it. it would take me $100 worth of time and effort to make a $20 It's buy.
0: these baked in ideas about the, the menace of money. You know, yeah. pie is virtuous and money is not. But I think modern day Seattle, they know everybody's got money. Nobody's got time. Right. Just Fine. give us the money.
1: Forget the charade. Anyway, you were but, saying. Uh, but they had a giant bass stick, uh, like a wheel, right, where you would spin this huge wheel that... that was kind of like um, the way they they do the ping pong ball. Are the tickets the, inside the, the wheel? The they are enough? in the wheel. Yeah, okay, yeah. And so it's just this this kind of paper waterfall as this giant wheel is spinning, and um, and the they call me out of the crowd. Let's get somebody up here. You know, let's get a kid to to pull the ticket. And they point, you know, they point at me, and I get up, and you know, and I was a kid that had a lot of like stage presence. You've got moxie, so I was like, "Hey, I'll do it," you know. And and um, they spin the wheel and they open the door and there's seven hundred little shards of paper in there. And as I go to put my hand in, I see my mother's handwriting, <gasps> and it's very distinctive handwriting. And I just I, I catch a glimpse of it. It's all happening so fast, and I touch the piece of paper. It's almost instinctive to grab the familiar thing that, that has my even mom's if you're handwriting. not trying to rig. And then I. And then I continue to push my hand deep into the pile and, you know, and run, wiggle my hand around, and make a big show, a Show, but I had the piece of paper that I saw in my fingers I'm shocked and I pulled it out and it was, and the, the whole crowd was like, Oh, he pulled out his own mother's, you know, like, wow, what no, are the chances? Nobody was suspicious. Not at all. Cause he really sold it. Cause I really sold it and we won a side of beef and the story's pretty alaska they gave us uh you know there was like a i mean basically like a like a half of a cow which we then rented a cold storage place and we ate hamburger and steaks out of that out of that side of beef for two years. Did you ever, con- did you tell your mom immediately? <laughs> not you... for years. There are a few crimes I committed as a child that I confessed later, but they were all, they were all crimes like this. Um, crimes where you confess it and everybody goes, well, oh, it tarnishes your reputation a little, but it also, it's not, ne- I, I never confess. you know, I never did anything like. How, how old steal were you or in, the shop, in the
0: short pants lottery? I was, I was story. in
1: fifth grade. Oh, see, Statute of
0: limitations. Like when a, yeah. when you when you hear about a kid doing something, doing a little mischievous thing at that age, you're like, oh, that's a different person.
1: But I had a I had a very strong sense of honor even then. Did you feel bad about what you knew you had done? Yes, I carried oh. it around as a it was a monkey on my shoulders or a cow or a cow half of a cow, a huge cow half cow. But like I never would have shoplifted. But this little bit of graft, um, I mean, I felt bad immediately. But I also felt like How I, I, that was a temptation I could not. Sure. They should have resist, right? In
0: Elizabethan times, they would blindfold the child. And that's what they should have done. They should have blindfolded me. That's right. I mean, today, children, they know children are not to be trusted. So they've gone to an even more uh, naive and, you know, untroubled by thought demographic, local beauty queens. (laughs) but you don't want to blindfold them because they, they lose half their appeal. They'll fall off the stage. Oh, I thought you were going to say they lose their like object permanence.
1: (laughs) I always justified it because I, as I was, my hand was already in motion and I just caught a glimpse of her handwriting. So it's entirely possible that I could have fairly, in fact, I did fairly grab that piece of paper. What what made it, No, no one had barred you from doing it. What made it graft was that I, That I put on that show. (laughs) That was what was... If you had just been like, you ain't got
3: my mom's. Yep. Oh, here it is. That's the one. When it comes to meat, quality makes a huge difference in texture and taste. And even though it might be better for you and the environment, a lot of the higher quality meat you find at the grocery store is just too expensive for most people's budget. get two pounds of ground beef and two packs of bacon absolutely free, plus $20 off your first box when you visit ButcherBox.com iHeart or use the promo code iHeart at checkout. That's ButcherBox.com iHeart or use the promo code iHeart at checkout. Um, in colonial
0: times, uh, it was uh, lotteries were so commonplace in America that it wasn't just Ben Franklin running stuff to buy Philadelphia cannons. John Hancock ran one in 1767 that rebuilt Faneuil Hall after a fire. Later became the American cradle of liberty. It's quite possible that without lottery, you would be living in the westernmost uh, borough of uh, Merry Old England right now. John
1: was um, was were there taxes at this time?
0: There were taxes. Are, are you wondering if the lottery earnings are taxable or
1: no no, I'm wondering whether uh these oh, lottery right. these lotteries were in addition to taxes or yes. in place of taxes
0: i think uh i mean i don't know it it would depend on the, the income taxes were not common in every jurisdiction at this time, right so
1: you know tax complaints were a big part of why these Americas rebelled that's true mm. um but I think tariffs were a bigger
0: funding mechanism for a lot of governments. Right. I don't. At least in the 18th and 19th centuries, I think
1: because that tea tax is just a tariff. Right.
0: And the tea tax was
1: <clears throat> bogus
0: anyway. It was just matter of principle. Yeah. They were still paying less than anybody. They were paying less than the British people. Um, George Washington ran a ton of lotteries, including one called the Mountain Road Lottery in 1768 to build uh, the first highway across the Allegheny Mountains. Oh. Um, I think it was like when there was suddenly a new project, which was common in a new country, there wasn't already a funding mechanism. So you had to come up with something, you know, the whatever taxes and tariffs existed, were going to pay existing stuff.
1: If you also wanted the road across the Alleghenies, you're going to have to have a scheme. New money. Yeah. Was, uh, were they all public works lotteries or were some of them for private benefit? Some of them private benefit. Uh, I think five Ivy League schools were built with lotteries and those were not. I Which mean, five? Let's call them out. Let's name them now.
0: Uh, Harvard, the predecessors of Columbia and UPenn. Shame. And I can't remember the other two. Yale and... Shame. Uh, luckily, Dartmouth. these institutions will have no power in the future. Princeton. Shame. So I can't remember what the third the uh, third one is. Let's say Dartmouth. Yeah. They're kind of dishes. They are. <laughs> what are uh, they
1: doing up there anyway?
0: Why is there a... How is there an Ivy League... A university in New Hampshire? Like, you'd think there wouldn't even
1: be buildings there's there's nothing around it there's nothing to justify it being there it it explains all the togas
0: anyway there's still 25 tickets from george washington personally signed every ticket in this lottery you'd go buy a ticket from george washington whoa and i'm sure a lot of people threw it away not knowing that wait that's, that guy's going to be George Washington. One day. 25 people kept them in, in <clears throat> kitchen junk drawers, and so there are still 25 known tickets, lottery tickets signed by George Washington, which are e- each worth on the order of $25,000.
1: I would pay $25,000 to have a lottery ticket signed by George Washington if I won the lottery.
0: Imagine if he showed up instead of Ed McMahon with the giant check. It's, he's just got a giant check and a, and a very high collar Wooden teeth and a hatchet, yeah, wooden <laughs> teeth, and through wooden his mushmouth wooden teeth voice, <laughs> voice. He's like, "Congratulations." <laughs> the tide kind of turned, though, in uh, the 19th century. Um, France abolished its lottery in 1836 under the kind of enlightened Enlightenment argument that it was exploiting the poor, right? As you mentioned, it's a regressive tax, and we'll, we'll talk about that. In the U.S., it was largely uh, a religious movement. You know that the law, the gaming is unholy. Um, and also people had bad experiences. In the 1820s, the government ran a national lottery in hopes of getting some funds to build and beautify the District of Columbia. And it actually went to the Supreme Court because Virginia got pissed that the federal government is stepping on their turf and now people, you know, have a choice of of Powerball or Mega Millions. And the Panic of 1837 kind of killed lotteries for good. There were lots of corrupt state-level lotteries, people absconding with money, um, it, they were very unpopular. By the Civil War lotteries are banned everywhere in the U.S. except for Delaware, Missouri, and Kentucky.
1: Really? Yes. <clears throat> because it seems like such a Civil War type right. of behavior. Right. We're gonna have to have a
0: raffle to uh, to buy m- rifles for the
1: first Maryland Irregulars. When when I was a kid, and I think this was true for you too, there weren't state lotteries, and there weren't lot really lotteries of any kind and and they i mean it was because they were illegal
0: yeah so congress made it illegal nationally in 1890 and that's why for like 50 years all you have or 50 and 60 70 years well into the 1960s you've got um numbers games run in neighborhoods by if you've ever seen a oh movie, sure like bowery boys type kids or like you know world weary uh Uh, old, you know, gentle old black men or, you know, whoever runs these things in movies. Right. And people would pick their numbers and it would be something in the paper, right? Like uh, you'd you'd derive a number from the next day's newspaper and that would be the random mechanism that would produce a winner and people would stick to their numbers for years. Um, That's because there was no state or, or federal mechanism for a lottery. And apparently the appetite will exist even if there's no place to put it. It was all New Hampshire's fault, speaking of Dartmouth. Really? In 1964. You know, New Hampshire's famously an independent state, futurelings.
1: Their license plates say live free or die. As someone who has spent some time in New England, New Hampshire is really an outlier. Are they ornery? They are. They're ornery. um, Are they ornery cusses? They are ornery cusses. I knew it. Uh, If you look at New Hampshire and Vermont, uh, they look... Like little bookends, right? They, 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 you would imagine that they were very similar to If you to turn one New Hampshire upside down and lean it against itself, it would just be Vermont. It would be Vermont. But New Hampshire and Vermont could not be more different. Uh, Vermont doesn't really have a lot of chain stores or billboard advertising. Vermont is... I think,
0: I think billboards are illegal in the state of Vermont. It's one of three or four states that banned them. They're very
1: fancy, uppity... Um,
0: famously, didn't have a, they were the last state that didn't have a
1: Walmart or a McDonald's yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. And you really sense it. And uh, New Hampshire has an anything goes vibe. As soon as you go across the state line, it's just like if you could stick it in the ground and set it on fire, they had done it. If a libertarian turned into twenty thousand square miles of granite, it would be New Hampshire. It would be New Hampshire. The the, the vibe there is, is it's different from Massachusetts. It's different from Maine. It's really its own unique. It's kind of like the Oklahoma of New England. So they don't like to be told what to do.
0: And in the 60s, facing an education funding shortfall, they decided, hey, uh, we should have a lottery. And they get a ton of... put. I mean, it's very divisive in the state, you know, because I think they have a thing where a certain number of of counties or townships or whatever have to sign in, have to vote it in. There are a lot of Presbyterians up there. Yes. And a lot of kind of pearl-clutching newspaper, small-town newspaper editors and old ladies who are sure that this is going to bring the end of the republic even readers digest magazine writes is either new hampshire or uncle sam so hard up that this shabby dodge is the only way out it will mean moral bankruptcy for new hampshire
1: shabby dodge
0: america's conscience
1: ouch readers digest <laughs> uh, and of that was course a large print edition
0: <laughs> <laughs> and the government's very worried uh Department of Justice says it's going to bring in racketeers and crime, although you'd think it would stop racketeers. I don't know. The problem is you, you're, they're, they're going to, it's not going to be open to people from outside the state. Oh. The FBI says if they're going to stop people crossing the border to buy tickets, which seems very unlikely. I don't know how you would enforce that. But sure enough, J. Edgar Hoover ends up arresting people from Rhode Island, New Jersey, New York that are found in possession of out-of-state
1: lottery tickets. He could see the hunger in their eyes. <laughs> as they, they, all you have to do is just post one motorcycle cop at the border. Look for that greedy, (laughs) I was buying
0: fireworks. (laughs) The FCC's against it. The post office is against it. But the governor of New Hampshire buys the argument that, Hey, this is the same as any other sin tax, you know, like people are going into this with their eyes wide open. We're taxing cigarettes. Why not lottery tickets?
1: Well, Well, it's a sin tax where the, the tax is the sin. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> we have invented a new <laughs> sin. <laughs> it would be like, I'm going to invent cigarettes and then start selling
0: them. Right. <laughs> uh, but I guess the numbers game is an argument that, hey, people are going to get their smokes no matter what.
1: But is this a situation where New Hampshire is, <clears throat> is legalizing their lottery or are they legalizing lotteries in New Hampshire? They're
0: legalizing a very specific lottery, which is not what you're imagining. It's not a bunch of ping pong balls inside a, a little weird wire chicken coop thing. It's actually a horse race. <laughs> the new hampshire sweeps is uh now wait a minute you know you, you buy your ticket and leave a signed receipt and then somehow the signed uh, receipts are, are matched to a horse by a local beauty queen and if your horse wins it seems like six extra steps you don't need yeah, why not just bet on horses? We have, we have learned how to run lotteries without a horse <laughs> running
1: a race. But if your
0: thoroughbred comes in first, I guess, then you can show the thing saying. it's. I think it's a very similar mechanism to actually betting on a horse race.
1: Yeah, but I mean, if a million people bet uh, on this lottery, there are only, what, six horses in a race? Eight? How, I, how's the money getting split up? Uh, that's a
0: great it's question. It's not like
1: there's going to be one winner.
0: Maybe if your horse comes in, a certain number of small winners of that group win the mega prize. Yeah, maybe there's, I think there's multiple sets. So if your horse comes in, then you're in set number three because, um, uh, cereal box one or whatever. Right. I'm naming a horse after the thing right behind your head. <laughs> uh, my horse is called Kitchen Cupboard.
1: But with is it a weird it, old lantern? I mean, it might have been like a win place show thing where you could get, because as a horse race unfolds, I think you could have, ultimately like a million combinations of different results. If you just, it's true, of, you know,
0: but I think at some point there is a drawing based on the results of the horse race. So I think if, you know, if, if group three wins, then the beauty, miss New Hampshire has to pick one of the group three tickets, the obfuscating
1: nature of this to make it seem like it's sports, right? Yeah. I don't, I don't, I, I feel like it's, it's not uh, a cash grab. There's horses. It's super new Hampshire is it's what just it sounds like, yours.
0: like. It's not a cash grab. There's a <laughs> half a cow. <laughs> Uh, anyway, that's what brings it back. Um, other states realize that... Um, Puerto Rico's already brought it back. New Hampshire's the first U.S. state, but Puerto Rico kind of, by virtue of their Commonwealth status in the 30s, kind of sneaks a lottery
1: under the transom. No, or, is, over the transom? Is this, I think, over the Bypassing over the, transom the transom in some Somehow way. Somehow getting around the transom. I, I think two-dimensionally, so I don't even know. The but difference. this is before Native American gaming was a thing. Yes, that's a fairly
0: recent... Young people might be surprised to hear that Native American gaming as a as a
1: revenue mechanism for tribes is a pretty new really phenomenon. new. I remember I remember when there was a lot of pearl clutching and hand wringing about that. <laughs> but uh by the eighties,
0: when I was a kid, like uh, the first multi state jurisdictional lottery comes into being, the tri state megabucks. I think right. also in a, New
1: England. Uh, but it was like a New Jersey thing, right? Yes. New Jersey I can't remember. New York and Pennsylvania. What are the
0: no idea. What are tri-state? It's New Jersey, New York. And yes. But this could be some other three states. And you know what? I don't care enough to look it up. Ah, I'm just going to tell the future right now. That Del- knowledge has been lost. <laughs> Let's say Delaware. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to pretend it's Delaware. And, uh, and that was kind of the beginning because with these multi-state things, the jackpots can get huge and people are like you, they have a cutoff where they're not fools. They're not going to throw their money away for a million, but I'll throw my money away for a hundred million. No question. Today in America up to 80% of adults will buy a lottery ticket what? at some point in their lives. Oh, in their at some point today, in their lives. Some point right. today 80% of Americans will go to <laughs> will go to a convenience store. But half half of all Americans have played in the lottery this year according to a Gallup poll. The average American spends $207 on lottery tickets. A year? A year, and it's higher in it's much higher in jurisdictions that have a big lottery culture. In Massachusetts apparently Uh, The average uh, resident spends $735 a year on lottery tickets. Whoa. I don't think I spend that much on, uh, you know, food.
1: Laundry detergent. Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, (laughs) Wow. Wow. I am blown away by that. But here's the thing. Winners do not prosper. Have you heard these statistics about what winning the lottery does to people? You'd think it would be... (sighs) A dream. They've, Have
1: I ever? You've been
0: thinking about it for years. Suddenly, all your problems in your life that are caused by scarcity of of funds or, or limitations caused by not being able to afford this or that, immediately gone
1: in either one lump sum or a generous annuity. Did, did you hear the the one about the guy who like spent it all on strippers? He won millions, and at some point, or I, I don't remember what it was. He had like a half a million dollars in a suitcase in his car. I Thought you were going to say in a single g string. <laughs> No, it was he he's, had not really car, stretching the possibilities. And he would go, he would go to this like rural strip club and get incredibly drunk, and then um, and they, they would just you know the people in the bar uh, and the dancers would just you know pick his pockets basically. And somebody went out to his unlocked car and took a half a million dollars in a suitcase out of it. And little by little, he, I mean, he made, he won a fortune, and he just it just trickled out into this West Virginia. This is actually one of the cases I want to describe. That is oh. a- Andrew Jackson Whitaker Jr. <laughs> one of, not, Tell me the
0: real story. N- not America's brightest
1: uh, lottery winner. He's well, named after Andrew Jackson. How bad can he be? The best president.
0: <laughs> He's going to have to change it to Harriet Tubman Whitaker once they change up the money.
1: Oh, dear. You're canceled.
0: Once the uh, I, I was looking into kind of a, a bunch of these cases to see what goes wrong. And I realized I had done this once before. When I had a little windfall fifteen years ago,
1: you're talking about the four million dollars you won from Jeopardy.
0: It was two and a half. And it it's the kind of thing where I think I kinda fell into the lottery winner trap of being like I'll have this money forever. Exactly. Like I am set, and you realize very quickly that as, uh, with inflation and whatnot, a seven-figure amount is no longer you, F off and buy an island money. Are you
1: about to sit here and tell the futurelings and me that your $2.5 <laughs> $2. million doesn't go as far as it used to? You know, it's... <laughs> uh, <laughs> I remember when that was actually a lot of money. Yeah, she's you could buy a boat and everything.
0: I mean, pe- people were telling me, like, did you just immediately quit your job? And in fact, every day I would call home from LA. I'd, You know, I'd win five Jeopardies in an afternoon, and I'd call my boss, <sighs> and she'd worst. be like, are you going to quit? Like, are you calling to quit? <laughs> and I'd be like, no, I, I'm not going to quit. She was, you know, I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm, I have to play five more tomorrow. I'm not going to be at the morning meeting. But she was terrified that I was gonna quit my job immediately because that's what lottery winners do
1: you did end up quitting your job
0: i actually didn't when i got my book deal i went on kind of an indefinite hiatus because i didn't have time to do both wait a minute are you saying you're still
1: working there
0: i i technically i mean i don't get a check or benefits but i i you know if i showed up tomorrow and said hey uh is my cubicle still empty (laughs) (laughs) it it happened so gradually that I never even noticed. But, you know, a a lot of lottery winners, you know, finally can tell their boss they can shove it. Right. And there are also cases where the next day that guy will go back and be like, just kidding. After staring into the existential void of not having a job all yesterday, right.
1: I'd, I'd like to come back to the sawmill, sir. Is that true? Do a lot of people go back to work? That does happen. Those Even are, after and I think, they I, won tens of millions of dollars?
0: I think those are the smart ones. I mean, a lot of the big, big payoffs are somewhere in the range of 5 to $15 million, right, right. which you should be set for life. I mean, the, the rule of thumb, I think an, an investment guy will—I t- don't know if this is true anymore, but there's kind of this old rule of thumb that you can count on 4% a year— and if the stock market does anything it's ever done over the life of the stock market for, for a century or more, you'll never touch the principal on that.
1: So, and 4% a year on a million dollars. It's not that much. It's not that much. No. Right? It's I, what? $40,000 a year. That's right. And so, if you have $10 million, though. Suddenly, you should be able to be fine. $400,000 a year.
0: that guy should never screw up. Right. And yet, like there's a popular statistic which tells us that in five years, 70% of all big lottery winners uh, are filing for bankruptcy.
1: 70%.
0: Now, this is a number provided by the National Endowment for Financial Education. Right. And I think there's a lot of pushback against this number from more conservative sources. But even if you take the more conservative numbers, the bankruptcy rate does soar for lottery winners within three to five years. Wow. Three to five years. Like how... What are you doing to spend $10 million in, in three to five years? Well,
1: is this the MC Hammer problem?
0: So there's a bunch of problems. Um, I mean, so the, there's a core problem, which is multiple studies have found that lottery winners do not get happier. No. They, they measure, they, they take lottery winners and a, another control group, and they just...
1: Com- Non-lottery winners.
0: <laughs> we call them losers, <laughs> lottery losers. And we, they account for any kind of pre-existing difference between them. And then they kind of try to measure how much pleasure they take in small things and people who have won the lottery no longer are delighted by the little happy vicissitudes of life a good cup of coffee
1: finding a quarter uh you you're going to tell me that a that warm sweater 10 million dollars is going to is going to ruin coffee and sweaters for me it just ruins your brain
0: like n- nothing nothing feels like a like a mitzvah anymore
1: right what what um what what is the there's some similar kind of um like calculation that up to $50,000 is the amount. Right, I've heard that too. Uh, that that additional money increases your happiness and then past this line in the sand over 50000 a year, I guess. It stays steady or goes down. It stays steady or goes down. Once
0: you reach kind of a minimal level of you have middle class met. not having to panic, right. not even affluence, like happiness will increase because you're not constantly stressed by, am I going to make rent this month? Right, but beyond that, it it's just mo' money, mo' problems. Right, Um. Because, and a lot of it's complicated by how you measure happiness. I mean, the things that actually bring people fulfillment.
1: Coffee and sweaters. In the long
0: run. Is how I measure it. By most measures of of what is called happiness in these studies, having kids makes people less happy.
1: Interesting. But
0: later, like almost universally, like all the measures of happiness go down when you have a baby for the obvious reasons. Wow. And yet, when people look back, that's the thing that brought them the most fulfillment. So there's something bigger than happiness that gives value and joy. Fulfillment. Yeah, I guess you could call it.
1: I mean, I waited until I was 40 to have a child. And so all of the things that a child could have ruined for me. um, Your sweaters? Well, no, that that feeling of like, I wish I could just go out on a Friday night it's like, I had been out I didn't on want a, that. a lifetime of Friday nights, and, and staying home with the baby seemed way better. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was kind of in the same situation, if my kids are listening.
0: No regrets, guys. Hey,
1: Dylan. Hey, Caitlin. This show is equally about you both. Hopefully, you're the first
0: generation that lived to be thousands of years old.
1: Actually, I should say, hey, Caitlin, and oh, also Dylan. As an afterthought. What's up?
0: Other, lesser, older child. But what goes wrong with a lot of these people? There's some typical stories. I mean, the main one is the kind of thing you said—just a
1: wildlife. Mm-hmm. Like
0: the people who play the lottery, does not really control well for people who are going to have good impulse control if they win. Oh,
1: ooh, right. That's a little bit of a, a sort well, of. They, if, if, it's if, true though. If right? nothing
0: else, I'm not even if cognitively there's no difference. They just have less experience. You know, like these are people who have never been able to save. Like in a lot of cases, that's why they're paying for the lottery.
1: Well, uh, I mean, I, I'm I was in the same boat as you, although to a dramatically lesser. Extent, but when my band was at its heyday, I would get paid in large chunks. It's a
0: chunk. Like, it's a chunk. Your song's in an ad, and suddenly yeah. there's a big check in the mail. And it's kind of, I remember
1: being panicky the first time. Like, what do I do with this? It's like, I want to hold it with kitchen tongs. Yeah, I was so impressed. Like, wow, this is, you know, it's a five figure check or something. Not, not, um, not a, a an amount that's that where I don't have to work.
0: We call that wheel of fortune money in but, my house. Yeah,
1: that's right. But it certainly was for for me at the time the most sure. money I'd ever seen. Sure, and, and uh, I went from making nine thousand dollars a year to every once in a while getting a thing like this. And and I had to check myself before you wrecked re- yourself. Before I wrecked myself. Before I went and did something like my dad would have done, which is like go buy a Porsche. Is that what, is that what it would have been for you? A, a car. No, I, because I, I didn't I didn't even have a car then. No, I think, see what car <laughs> I think what it would have been and what it ended up being for me was money represented leisure. And up until that point, leisure was a scarce commodity. so you had a, you had a day job. yeah, right? I mean all all you there is a, there's a certain segment of us that imagines paradise is just waking up whenever you want and doing whatever you want. And so my first, my first money looked to me only like freedom from toil. Uh, and it was only later, after I had freedom from toil for a little while, that I realized it was, that was
2: a path to madness for me personally. Have you always wanted to learn to play an instrument? Maybe you've even tried at some point, but gave up because you felt lessons were too expensive or that you just didn't have the time. Thankfully, there's Musician. Yousician is the fun, easy, and affordable way to learn guitar, piano, bass, ukulele, and even singing. start. That's unlimited access to thousands of lessons, exercises, and songs on as many instruments as you want for two whole weeks. Just go to musician.com slash start. That's Y-O-U-S-I-C-I-A-N dot com slash start. I mean, I don't I don't want to, like, I don't want this to sound like gloating,
0: especially because the viability of this endeavor depends on people not thinking I'm a gloating rich guy.
1: Sure. Although... <laughs>
0: but, <laughs> that's it's it. clear
1: that you are.
0: I mean, it really... It really was nice that I could leave a day job and, you know, do what I wanted all day. Like you could you could do music full time, like I could write full time. These you are, not, are, are not things we had time for before.
1: You're a self-motivated guy who is who's propelled into the morning every day trying to avoid the sin of playing cards. <laughs> Most, mostly by habit, honestly. Like I try to keep a nine to five habit just because otherwise I know I'll go off the rails. Right. And that's my problem. I don't have any habits uh, except for drugs and sex addiction, which I'm constantly trying to combat. That's about the same thing. <laughs> but like getting up in the morning and going and sitting in my office and working is was never one of my
0: vices. What if there are, and I'm just spitballing here, a lot of drugs in there?
1: In the office? Yeah. I'll, all I have to do is fight, figure out a way to get in it. It's like it's, I've hidden somewhere in this
0: old desk. It's like an escape
1: room, but opposite.
0: <laughs> Who can find the secret of the Confederate cocaine? Um, no, so a lot of these people do lose their money in exactly this kind of wild living, riotous living. Um, right. A guy named Michael Carroll, for example, in the UK, he won $15 million in two thousand Dollars or pounds? I've already converted to dollars for a, an Thank American, you. guaranteed American future. Thank you, There's Ken. no way the British Empire is going to... Like, we're... Like, there's no way Britain's going to exist in six months, (laughs) much less 6,000 years. Can you
1: convert that into New Zealand dollars?
0: I'm going to convert this into post-Brexit dollars. It's like Zimbabwean billions. Mm. Uh, And so this guy just, he's a garbage man. He spends it all on five years. I don't want to impugn waste professionals. They're great. It's true. But this guy spends his 15 million on five years of crack and sports cars and prostitutes.
1: My dad's in waste management.
0: And loses it all. His right now? No. Well, now my dad is dead. <laughs> <laughs> he's kind of in waste management. <laughs> Sorry. Disrespectful. Ouch. Uh, he's actually sitting
1: on the mantle right there. If you really want to know.
0: That's true. He's not, he's, he's not in a landfill. No. Um, so in five, was your dad mobbed up? Is that why he was in waste management? Yeah. That that's was what a that Sopranos joke. Means. Cause
1: I, you know, I, I can't ever walk away fully from the life.
0: Uh, And so, in five years, he's back at the at his city dump, asking for his old job back. Wow, fifteen million dollars. Oh, ouch! And then there's more general, just not being good at
1: having. What was the story of the stripper stripper guy? This is the guy. So,
0: West Virginia's Andrew Jackson Whitaker won 114 million (gasps) dollars in Powerball.
1: 114 million.
0: And in West Virginia, that's like having a billion dollars in Seattle. I mean, it's yeah, it's
1: right. It's the GNP of
0: West Virginia. In four years, he loses it all. Four years. And some some of it is like uh, like you said five hundred and forty five thousand dollars stolen from his car because he left it sitting in his car. In I actually had
1: that number pretty close. I'm amazed. You were exactly right. You were weirdly uh, up to speed on Andrew Jackson Whitaker. Well, it, it was just such a it was such an astonishing story.
0: The next year, he lost two hundred thousand dollars the same way. This is a guy who did not learn. Hey, don't keep big six figure amounts of cash in your car. Somebody knows it's there. So
1: multiple times he loses hundreds of thousands of dollars. What a Darwin Award winner. And what's he doing now? Well, the problem is a lot of these people end up, like, dying, right?
0: I I should say, we should have a little content warning here, that some of these stories are going to be a little bit grim. So John and I have had fun up until now, but some of these stories do turn dark. In the case of Jack Whitaker, his troubles are ongoing He's still reporting thefts. He's bouncing millions of dollars worth of checks in Atlantic City.
1: Uh, his house has been lit on fire.
0: Um, oh, boy.
1: The, you know, it's a great film. Like, I can't wait to see the 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 movie starring uh, I don't see, uh, James Franco. I mean, you can see what the what the troubled second act is going to be. I don't
0: really know how they pull it out. Um, but, you know, these people just have no experience with money. They Some are too generous, and they give it all away to... Well, you know, to suddenly buddy, buddy friends. That's the MC hammer
1: problem, exactly. right? He, he made a fortune and he hired 30 guys from his neighborhood to be like, you know, gave them like made up jobs, like car polisher or whatnot. And, and- it gets start
0: because a lot of these f- friends and ha- family members and hangers on, they give them money to, Like they all end up ODing. Um, mm. Whitaker has had, Whitaker has had a, a daughter found dead in Daniels, West Virginia in her early forties with no explanation. So oh, opioid epidemic, baby. Oh. Um and, uh, you know, these are, you know, the money is not going to the smartest stuff. Um, a lot of times it's bad investments. Let's meet Gerald Muswagen. 1998 wins $10 million in Canada. He's, you know, maybe I'm assuming he's a right thinking he's Canadian. So sure. I assume he's got something on the ball. Sure. And yet he pours all his money into a logging business and it fails. He has to take jobs, lifting heavy stuff on a friend's farm. And he ends up in 2004 hanging himself in his parents' garage. This is a guy that had $10 million and everything was going his way. And within six years, and it makes sense. You know, I think a lot of the feelings of depression that we, you know, everybody, or anxiety that everybody grapples with move into feelings of failure and adequacy when you realize, you know, first of all, you had that high. And then also just the self-awareness that you should have been set for life and you and nobody else effed it up. Right. It's got to be tough. Uh, Many people gamble it away. Lottery players are, by definition, gamblers, right? That's how they got the money. So it's going to keep working, right? In 1985 and 1986, Evelyn Adams won $5.4 million because she won seven figures in the New Jersey lottery twice. Twice.
1: (laughs) But apparently believing she's
0: she's invulnerable, she lost it all in Atlantic City within a matter of years. Like, gambling problem.
1: I have a friend who uh, was in a successful rock band and got a very large advance back in the day when um, major labels gave big advances and he thought he was smarter than his other bandmates or the rest of us and decided he was going to learn he was going to teach himself to play the stock market specifically taking short positions well this is the era of these the market. everybody with a pc realizing they can day trade and beat the big guys that's right and so he sat at his kitchen table and they traded away a quarter of a million dollars, oh, man. Uh, just taking short positions on like penny stocks. You hate to see it. And the whole time, you know, his little group of friends were like, hey, what are you doing? Like, knock it off. Like, go put a down payment on a house. And right. he's like, no, no, no. This time, this time I got it figured out.
0: Man, there's so many ways to go wrong here. Many of these people get in trouble with tax evasion. They, they win tons of money in a high profile way. And like that survivor guy, they just think they can somehow get away with it.
1: I would assume that the tax thing, I mean, so here's a question for you. It's common, commonly understood that if given the option of a, of a yearly payout or a lump sum Mm -hmm. that it makes, even though you lose half your money, if you take the lump sum that Lump sum you is should better. still do it. Yeah, cuz of inflation. Inflation is what throws off the math, I think. And but then the tax it would seem would be taken out before like you're actually responsible for paying your income tax just as if you had made that money in a logging company. Yes. The case of the survivor
0: guy, like the network does not actually ta- deduct any taxes. I think uh in for jeopardy, California state tax was deducted from my check. Did you not then get appeal as a Washington
1: state resident and
0: get some of that money back? It's the California is the nexus of your earnings. They, oh. that, that state gets you oh. like you there's no way you're getting out of that hateful. Uh, and so I was living in a state when, you know, when I, when I made all the money, I was living in Utah, a state with an income tax and really no business tax. And then I moved now that I have no income, but a business, I moved up to a state with business <laughs> tax, but no income tax. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Anyway, so uh, so you're on your own there, but you're right, lotteries do take out that money. This is a case where, uh, the case of Alex and Rhoda Toth, who won $13 million in Florida in 1990. They, were, they, they ran subsequent tax scams. They falsely would report gambling losses. They would file from, they would do bankruptcy filings in hopes of avoiding taxes. And they were indicted. By the time they were indicted, they owed Uncle Sam $2.5 million.
1: So rather than just take the money and live off of the interest, which would have been... About do the math four hundred thousand dollars a year uh, over yeah over that they five hundred de- five hundred twenty thousand a year they decided they were gonna like spend all their time and effort trying to trying to screw the Fed. I just don't get it <laughs>
0: it's like the crazy. peace of mind of just knowing I have a half million dollar faucet every
1: year yeah which I don't but that w- that would be so great if it just dribbles out money and then you can go about you can get as many bon me sandwiches as you want. Every morning you could wake up and say, "I'm going to stay. I'm going to spend the night in a hotel." But Imagine a faucet that just pours out bon me sandwiches and
0: hotel bathrobes, and that's what you got: coffee and sweaters. A lot of times, families get really destroyed on, in awful personal ways. Uh, take the case of Bud Post, who won sixteen point two million dollars in Pennsylvania in nineteen eighty eight. Sixteen point two million, and yet within one year, he was a million dollars in debt. Think of the think of the. It's just hard to imagine. How do you find that kind of time to make that many six-figure choices, bad choices, every
1: day? Seventeen million dollars. What is seventeen million? He's losing over a million dollars a month. So he's losing. What is that a day? That's that's. What is seventeen million divided by three hundred and sixty-five? Let do the math real fast here.
0: That's forty-five
1: thousand dollars a day. You have to blow through forty five thousand dollars a day. If uh, okay, let's let me let me put this to you. If how many bond me? <laughs> if you and I had forty five thousand dollars right now, it's a, it's a Brewster's Millions. Richard uh, that's Breyer's right. Scenario and we had to go spend it today. What would you do? I, I mean, I guess IKEA, one hundred percent IKEA. IKEA. <laughs> no, I mean, I guess you could just go buy a yeah, Tesla it's a car. Yeah, exactly. But how many Teslas can you buy? Tesla. How many Tesla can
0: he? I mean, he, he's making big... He must be making big seven-figure purchases and screwing them up monthly. Screwing them up, yeah, right? Yeah, r- real estate, or I don't know what he's doing. But in this case, his own brother... <laughs> his problems did not end there. His own brother hired a hitman to kill him, hoping that he would inherit the money. Wow. So, uh, you know, this guy almost died. And here's somebody who did die. Ontario's E.B. Ronacoli won $5 million in the Canadian lottery. Her uh, OBGYN husband found out that she had funneled $2 million of it to the father of her secret child, and he poisoned her to death with painkillers.
1: Wait, she ha- it's its fairly commonplace for a man to have a secret child. Oh, Canada's very modern, John. <laughs> How does a woman have a secret child? <laughs> you mean that nine-month
0: vacation you took to uh, Great Slave Lake? <laughs> Apparently the father was raising the secret child, and... Oh. That is just. So he killed crazy. her. He killed her with with uh, gynecological uh, painkillers.
1: Now, as somebody who's who's run this lottery question in his head, how do you not lose the money? How mm-hmm. do you not fail? How do you not become a, a a mess?
0: Maybe there are people like us thinking this way, and then there are other people just thinking,
1: "Where would I? Where I would I go?" Can't wait to be a mess.
0: Yeah. Well, no, they're just they're just listing the the things they would do. And we're listing the things we would not do.
1: Right. I mean, my whole lottery fantasy is based on the the 25 things that I wouldn't do or would need to secure. But one of those things is I have a kind of list of 20 people that I feel like if I won my 300 million, I have a list of 20 people that I feel like should benefit from that. In in varying increments, right? Family members, but also old friends, people that people have helped me, you coming up, help me coming up. People have supported me throughout the years. I feel like there should be a, a windfall for those people as well, because it's a random, you know, lottery. It's not like you're so I, generous. I never did anything. Well, no this this feels like a like a component of of, of a, a winning like this. Most people, I think, would feel like, of
0: course, I merit it. There are plenty of cases of people, you know, taking the collaboratively bought ticket from their office not telling anybody they won and going on sick leave with an injured foot. Oh my God. And what they're really doing is tr- spending all the money before. Evil. Everybody at the office finds out about the ticket. They should have had a fifth of.
1: But when I think of a 300 million, there are definitely, I would take half and immediately put it away. And then the remaining half, I would, you know, I've have, I have a couple of charities that I would fund, but also like, a, like one sort of self flattering charity that I imagine setting up. Um, where I feel like the John I, Roderick's Little right. Achiever Foundation. That's right. Something that something where I feel like I've got a solution to a problem, and I would just have a, I would have a charity just to solve. Do you have problem. the problem picked out? I do. Are you? Gonna- <laughs> uh, but I'm not going to reveal it. And then you know, of course, my sister would get a million dollars. My mother would get a million dollars. Just like just like run around money. You're Elvis. But then there's all these all these people. I feel like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars would make a real difference in somebody's life. And every million dollars represents four people that I could give not a life changing but you know, like if you got two hundred and fifty thousand dollars today, wouldn't that help you? It would well, help. sure it would help me. You've got to have tiers. You don't want all your friends competing. What you got one eighty? I got right. one seventy five. Yeah, yeah. So they've got to be tiers. And you and people who are at the two hundred fifty level would recognize, like, all right. Are you at the two yeah, you are. You did course. you did more for him than it's true. It's yeah. true. No, yeah. you're right, you're right.
0: Um, I don't think you need to count on this happening. The odds of winning the lottery, a mega amount like that, are similar to dying by lightning strike or falling coconut. Although, do you remember in 2017 when the Powerball had had so many non-winners that suddenly it was like a 700 million dollar jackpot, and the expected value of a—it's hard to predict because you don't know how many will sell. You don't know how many... you know because and uh, winnings might be split. Winners if, if multiple people had the right numbers, but. uh million meant that the expected value of a ticket was worth more than the cost of a ticket. Really? Yeah. Like the the jackpot was so huge that the average person was probably going to make money. Wow. Because there have been so many, there have been years of people putting their money into non-winning Powerballs. Even then I didn't buy one, but... Do you not buy them? I have never in my life bought a
1: lottery ticket. Is it because of the... Is it because of its of sinful re- nature? religious rectitude? Or you I you just think so? Just so it dubious. Seems
0: like yeah. I think it's more like I'm the smart guy who who uh, doesn't waste his time with this is kind it of a mathematically thing. Though there's some level of that because when you say I don't see the ads, I immediately thought, yeah, exactly. Right. I see those little signs at a Seven Eleven, and I'm like, psh, lucky yeah, right. there, but for the grace of God, I'm not one of those people. Um, and the rationalization. So this is, brings us into the public policy issue here. I mean, the rationalization for this is that. You're not paying. What does a lottery ticket cost? I don't even know. Dollar? I don't know. Two dollars. You're not paying two dollars for uh, a good outcome. You're paying for the entertainment value right. of of imagining the win. Right. That's the
1: logic. It's right? just like it, going to a movie or something. And and Las Vegas says this: that gambling is is entertainment.
0: Yes, and and you can't dispute that. I mean, it it is entertaining. But here's the thing: of the seventy two billion dollars that Americans spend on the lottery each year. 71% comes from the hardest core ticket buyers. One fifth of Americans are buying 70% of our lottery tickets. Whoa, and man. as as you know, it's overwhelmingly poorer folks. It's kind of predatory. Like the lottery is actually advertised in places where in, in communities that are the most vulnerable. And it's not malicious. They just know that their ad their market research says there's growth here. Right. And that's so it's it's inner cities, it's poor poor white rural communities. Um And I think that's why state lotteries started to boom, these multi-state lotteries, mega lotteries started to boom in the 70s and 80s. Because if you look at the numbers, that's exactly when middle class earnings started to stagnate, right? And Uh and the idea of class mobility, the idea that you could work yourself up to a little cushion, started to go away. And what replaced it is the lottery. Um, Plenty of middle class people do play today. It's very popular with the elderly, which tends -hmm. to to skew the numbers, the income numbers a little bit up. A lot of those people have reliable incomes but those who make less than $30,000 a year are playing for money. Like when they answer the questions, 75% of lottery players say they think they will win. 70%. 75%. Like the vast majority of lottery winners literally think they're going to win. And and of those of those people, 71% say what when they're asked what they would do with it, they say to pay off debt, which is just heartbreaking. Wow. For for um one in five Americans, when asked, what's the most realistic way you could bank a few thousand
1: dollars, one in five Americans now says it's the lottery. Wow. Because so they just don't see another path to right. getting up over the the transom. And maybe not irrationally, you know? Like, there's, there's less in debt bootstra- cycle bootstrapping and in America than ever before. Where are they going to get a windfall? They're, they're, they're probably not going to retire with a pension. They don't have any opportunity to to pay off their debt, let alone
0: sock a little away. So there's commercials with, you know, beach condos and stuff. But really, these are just people thinking, like, maybe this is how I get out of the, of the, you know, the check cashing place every payday cycle. And to me, that's a pretty strong argument that, as a regressive tax, it's really not worth it, you know?
1: Well, it's a strong argument for a different... Uh, system, (laughs) like a different economic system.
0: It's not like there's no way we could be getting, you know, most, most States, like it's not a huge, I think like, it's like maybe
1: somewhere on the order of like 8% of, of pro of revenue for States or something like it's, but it's discretionary revenue. That's what's important about lotteries. Like the state of Washington, right? Yeah. The state of Washington, uh, the legislature has put incredible restrictions. You said earlier that there isn't, um, an income tax here, there's a lot of, uh, there, there are a lot of restrictions that the legislature has put on the taxing authority of municipalities in Washington. And it keeps, I mean, the city of Seattle, the residents here routinely indicate that they would pay a lot more tax than they do because we'll vote for levies on transit parks, right. libraries, anything we want. We want, I voted
0: for a library and a parked levy as recently as yesterday, because <laughs> that's when my ballot was due.
1: And that's what we have to do. We have to vote for levies yeah. because we don't, well, the, the city has been prohibited yeah, from taxing. We have no taxing authority. And so lotteries are another kind of end run, just like George Washington trying to build a road over the Alleghenies. Um, the, the, You can run a lottery and then that money gets, it's sort of exempt. And the argument you said that it's discretionary is commonly made,
0: you know, you can say, hey, this targets the poorest people. And the the counter argument is yes, but it targets the poorest people who are choosing to pay into it. Right. So they had it coming. So it really all comes down to very fundamental beliefs about agency, I guess, you know, like, like, do we, do we see this as kind of an unavoidable thing where no matter how virtuous, people are you know no matter how virtuous you can expect people to be a huge percentage of your less
1: affluent citizens are stuck paying the bill i mean this is the this is the liberal virtue Mm -hmm. of denying people the vice that they are like uh that they're craving right Do, do you remember when seattle parks were trying
0: to ban smoking and there was a lot of like hey guess who this hurts like the poorest of the
1: poor, mentally ill, homeless. These are the people who go to the park to smoke. Nobody's right. got it together. goes to the park to smoke. <laughs> the first time I went to Salt Lake City, I, I rode my motorcycle up to a park right there somewhere close to town, in the middle of downtown. Got off, sat down on a picnic bench. Pulled out my little pack of cigarettes and looked up, and there was a sign that said "No smoking in <laughs> public parks in Salt Lake." And I'd never seen it. you know, your first time. I seeing... came from Alaska, where it was like you could smoke in you a church. You had to. It was
0: enforced. Yeah. Like you walk into the park and they hand you a
1: pack of Camels. And I was stunned. I didn't know what to do, so I walked out onto the sidewalk and like stood in the. I stood in the gutter and smoked a cigarette, that, looking and, at the park. And that's where you belong. <laughs> you filthy degenerate. And that concludes lottery winners, entry 736he dot h e one three zero five, certificate number three two nine four three, in the omnibus. Futurelings, in the unlikely event that social media still exists in your era, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, are archived at Omnibus Project. There is no way for you to make money tweeting at us yet. But maybe by the time you have taken over the world, sentient lottery tickets, our handles at Ken Jennings and at John Roderick on all of these platforms will be a will be a place that you can invest your hard-earned shell money. I am hopeful
0: that we're speaking to a utopia where the lottery has been outlawed, that it's been replaced by
1: some kind of steep wealth tax from from each according to his ability to each according to his need exactly yeah Yeah.
0: it's a it's a society where everyone wins the lottery every day it's a it's a you know snowflakeocracy
1: you can go to my Instagram account and see how I am squandering my ill-gotten gains at John Roderick on Instagram Uh, you can email us and um, I should say Now that Omnibus is an independent concern, even though we've spent the last hour talking about how rich Ken is for,
0: (laughs) no, we're talking, we talked about how I'm, I'm barely scraping by (laughs) upper middle class life.
1: This, uh, this I am not rich. And this podcast is now, uh, is now funded by you, the listener at our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Omnibus project. Uh, one of the potential Patreon tiers we're considering is that we will read our viewer mail online, available to Patreon subscribers. A special uh, kind of uh, appendix or uh, uh, addendum, addendum to the Omnibus, yeah. Um, so email us in advance of this at the Omnibus Project at gmail.com. and maybe your letter, your hilarious letter written in the style of someone way in the future or way in the past, will be read aloud by us and commented upon. Uh, you can do that, do even one better than that and send us physical media of some kind, including your granddad's clothes, size extra large.
0: We've already been roasting those on the show.
1: <laughs> but soon we can paywall that off. Yeah, we'll double roast them. Uh, at P.O. Box 55744 Shoreline, Washington 98155, and if you're looking for a community of like-minded souls, who 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 among us is not John? Uh, well, you're you're absolutely right, and it may be that future that that our future listeners are part of a sort of a collective organism where they feel intimately connected to the others around them because they're they have like neuronal, um, like synaptic connections to their fellows are you saying if you're in a hive you would not need Facebook or if you're an Aspen if you're if you're a globe-spanning Aspen an Aspen hive um, even then I think an Aspen hive would enjoy the Omnibus Futurelings page on Facebook That's the beauty of Facebook, because it works for everyone. Like, everyone loves it. Everyone loves it. There are no problems, no issues with Facebook. Whether Bumblebee or Aspen, all hive minds will love Facebook. But now let me also pitch to you this. There is a community of people who want like-minded fellowship, but don't want to be on Facebook. And they are on the infinitely more uh, convivial and preferable platform of Reddit. A place that I do not recommend anyone ever go. But if you are going to Reddit, there are two Reddit pages devoted to Omnibus. There's Wait, there are the Omnibus Project, uh, which is I think Omnibus underscore Podcast, maybe, and then the other one is um, Futurelings. They, they must not be very lively. This Well, is the first time hearing of them. Yeah, well they they made themselves. Uh, they made me aware of them. They exposed themselves to you by writing me and saying plug our reddit well Subreddit. they said something in Reddites like people beep, 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 beep. <laughs> meme 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 <laughs> lol raffle uh, but I interpreted it because of my many years on the internet and so now I want those of you who are listening who go god you talk about that Facebook group but I'm never going on there but I love being on Reddit. I love being on 8chan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, are,
0: we on, are we on 8chan yet? I mean, much as much as the futurelings are the uh, friendly, palatable, only friendly, palatable island in a sea of uh, disaster on Facebook, I would assume that these subreddits are the most delightful,
1: unreddity places on Reddit. They're wonderful. Anytime a group of futurelings, uh, like, congregate... P- puts
0: their pseudopods together.
1: Yeah, it becomes, uh, it becomes a lovely place where people... Um. people share their experience, strength, and hope.
0: It's. I have to say, it's been deeply flattering and validating to me as a person that people as n- nice and normal and generous and friendly as these listeners uh, pay attention to our show, and lately uh, have even been supporting it financially. This is the first show we've recorded after our independence day. As That's right. We,
1: we went independent yesterday morning in our time, in our time, uh, or we, we revealed our independence to the world and it's been, uh, a, a, there's been such a gracious outpouring of affection. I feel like George Bailey.
0: Yeah. He haw and, uh, and Mary independence day.
1: Yeah. Uh, we're, we're, we're extremely grateful
0: listeners from our vantage point here in your distant past. We have no idea how long our civilization will survive. Hopefully at least a month, because the Patreon contributions are monthly. We hope and pray that the world-burning catastrophe that we fear may never come. But if the worst comes soon, this recording, like all our recordings, could be our final word or set of words to you. But if providence allows, if God withholds his hand from his lottery-caused wrath, we hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the omnibus.